lonely night, the agony, the crying in Gethsemane, the Lord of life would face his death and willingly God's wrath accept. It's still the cross, it's still the blood, it's still his dying act of love, compelling me to spend my life in giving everything for Christ, in giving everything for Christ. The Roman scourge, the mockery, Pursued his death and satisfied the sinner's debt. It's still the cross, it's still the blood, it's still his dying act of love, compelling me to spend my life in giving everything for Christ, in giving everything for Christ. stone removed, the echo of his empty tomb, the Lord of life had banished death, its final sting, a vacant threat. The greatest love, the sacrifice, the triumph of the cross of Christ, the Lord of life demands my death To live for him with every breath It's still the cross, it's still the cross It's still the cross, it's still the blood It's still his dying act of love Compelling me to spend my life in giving everything for Christ, in giving everything for Christ, it's still the cross. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great song tonight, and I'm glad you're here. How many of you are here tonight? Let me see your hand. All right, looks like most of you are. You have a copy of the Word of God, the Bible. How many of you have a Bible with you? Let me see your Bible. You got a Bible? Ways it good and high now? Come on. How many of you have a red Bible? Everybody ought to read their Bible. Come on, people. And, uh, <laughs> everybody ought to read their Bible. So get yourself a red Bible and go to Ephesians, would you please? And the fourth chapter. My goodness, uh, it's Friday. And this week has just flown right along, and uh, you've endured to the end. And it's always interesting to me. I look ahead at a week like this and think, wow, it's going to be a long week. And then I get to Friday and think, where's the week gone? And every week seems to be that way. And uh, it's Father's Day this weekend, and uh, this is unusual. This is the first Father's Day that I haven't been with my family 
in, uh, in 21 years, but I'll miss it this weekend. And we planned it out. I prayed about it. I'll be speaking at the Revive Michigan Conference, which starts Sunday morning in Clio. And I'll stay here in Michigan through next Sunday night, and then I'll fly home. We celebrated, though, a few days ago, and I'll spend the weekend with Brother Micah, so I guess uh, he'll have to be my son this weekend. I hope he'll buy me something really cool. And uh, if you get a little chance to encourage him about that, just don't tell him I told you to, but that's, uh, that's my weekend. And uh, happy Father's Day to you men. It's a great weekend, and it's a great way to end a family conference, Father's Day. Several things ought to happen after a meeting like this. First of all, there ought to be prayer. Uh, Most of us could examine the week, go all the way back to Sunday morning, humility, honesty, our anger, Sunday night, our issues. We could go to Monday night and talk about our purity and just all kinds of things through the week, our marriages, things we could do and improve. There ought to be prayer in this week. Don't end this week without some time in prayer. Uh, And then there ought to be some communication. Uh, There's some husbands that ought to have some family meetings, some daddies, family meetings, and say, you know what? We need to pick it up a little area. We need to improve some areas. We're going to make some changes. Some husbands and wives that need to go on a date and have a conversation. So you know what? I'm going to work on this by God's help. We're going to improve this by God's help. And uh, just really seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. You You ought to pray. There ought to be some communication. And there certainly ought to be some steps. Uh, there's certainly a step all of us could take. There's, there's got to be. Some of you grandparents could more greatly influence your grandchildren. Uh, you could pro- we could all pray more for our family, couldn't we? There's steps we ought to be taking, and so I hope you will. Don't leave, don't leave without uh, taking time to go by the book table. My prayer card's on the table if you'd like to get a prayer card. If you want to follow uh, my ministry and Brother Micah's, if you're doing email, uh, you go to our website, evangelistdaveyoung.com, and you'll find a little, right on the opening page, the home page is a little button. Sign up for the newsletter. If you'll click on that, give me your email address and uh, sign up for it. Mike uh, usually writes those, and when he does it, of course I do. We try to send them out once a week or once every week and a half to let you know where we are and, and what God's doing. And I'd appreciate you praying for us. You've invested in us this week. Uh, you've been here and you've let us invest in you spiritually. You've Many of you have given in the offering. We're very grateful for that. Micah will not have a chance to say so publicly on his behalf and on the behalf of my family. Thank you for meeting our needs. This is 23 years of God meeting our needs through people like you. And we're just so grateful for you that sacrificed perhaps. And uh, thank you for investing in us. Go by the book table. Now, I'm, I'm highlighting again Dr. Tice's book, Moms and Dads maybe the single greatest book I've ever read to influence my family. And I love it. I'm just telling you, I'm going to refer to parts of it tonight as I preach. I'll, I'll walk through one little section of it. Our family devotional, my family time with God, uh, one page family devotion for every day of the year. Let that be a help to you, daddies, mommies. Uh, maybe you're a single mom and you're working like a dog, just trying to get through life. And it's hard to find time to impact your kids spiritually. This will be a $15 tool to help you do it. And just to encourage you, one page per day, help your family to have devotions. And then here's a few others just uh, to highlight them for you. Uh, Here's the book for you ladies, The Choice is Yours by Terry Chappell. If you haven't read it, my wife recommends highly that every lady read this. Life happens, but walking with God is a decision. No matter what's going on in your life, you can walk with God. And Terry Chappell tells you how. And then Carrie Schmidt's book, Live Lighter, Love Better, is a wonderful book for families. Twelve biblical decisions 
That'll show you how to have a meaningful life, not just living your life, not just surviving, but a life of value and meaning that matters for all of eternity. This book will tell you how. And then remember my favorite book on the table is Dr. John Rice's book on prayer. I believe in prayer. I'm for prayer. This book taught me how to get my prayers answered. I've seen amazing miracles in our life, ministry, and home because of what we learned in this book. That we've asked God and seen miracles. And, we, we, and I'm not making that up. I could stand here the rest of the night and tell you, boy, this is what happened. Here's a great story. And boy, this is what happened. Here's a great story. And God did this. And here's a great story. We've prayed for healing and seen God do divine miracles. He doesn't always do divine healing. But we've seen him do it in answer to prayers. And we've seen God meet some major financial needs in answer to prayers. And uh, God work in hearts and answer to prayers. This book's valuable. I hope you'll take a copy of it. If you have one at home already, dig it out and start reading it. It'll change your life. This will be a blessing to you. I was in one church and the pastor took them in through this book. They read one chapter a week together and met every Saturday morning then and had prayer. And they had done this for a couple of months. And there was a, a guy in the church, hadn't been saved very long. In fact, just got out of jail. He had been in prison for, for drugs and, and uh, some issues involving drug use and He'd lost his wife and his children. He was not permitted to be around his kids. And, and he, was, he came out of jail and got saved. And, and God began working in his heart and he found this book, started praying. He owned a business. He had gotten a business that had actually started doing pretty well. And uh, he was making good money, but he had some debt that he hadn't settled up and things like that. And so he came to the prayer meeting one Saturday morning. God had been working his heart through this book. And he said to the men, I've come up with a plan. If I could sell my business for $100,000, it's worth it. If I could sell it for $100,000, I could pay off my debt. There's another business I found that I could buy that would allow me more freedom so I could invest in my family. So he said, men, I want you to pray that my business will sell for $100,000. So all the men got on their knees Saturday morning, prayed. They had a two-hour prayer meeting. Two hours they prayed. And one of their prayer requests, God, help them. Um, Help our, our brother's business to sell for $100,000. He left the prayer meeting, went to work, and a guy walked into his business and said, are you the owner? And he said, yes, I am. Literally within two hours, the man said, I want to buy your business. And he said, I want to make an offer. And he slapped a $100,000 check on the table. He didn't even pray about that when he said, sold. And, uh, and uh, took it. I'm just telling you, God's a great God, church. You believe that? And so pray up a storm, pray up a storm and learn how to pray and have a great family. And uh, in this messed up world we live in, God's on your side. If you'll pursue him, if you'll seek him, if you'll love him, if you'll follow him, if you'll keep going forward in the power of the spirit and the power of his word, anybody here can make a grand success. You say, my past, you don't know my past. No, but I'm telling you, there's an almighty God that can take your past and turn it around and bring beauty out of ashes. And let him, let him, let him. Be encouraged tonight. Don't walk out of this conference discouraged about your family. Walk out believing you have a great God who's able to do miracles and great things, and he's on your side. You know what the Bible says? If God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody say amen to that. He's on our side, and he loves you, and he wants to use you and bless you, and you let him do it. Okay, are you in Ephesians 4? That's our, our text tonight. And uh, let me get us going on the screen. We're talking about our final message. We've been every day talking about what does a happy Christian home look like anyway. Boy, we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? And here's where we started. Chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. 
You walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now, how many of you have put your faith in Jesus? You're on your way to heaven. Let me see your hand. You trusted Christ. You know you're saved. All right, God's called you. He called you to be saved. He wants you to be on your way to heaven. He called you to himself so he could forgive your sins, come into your life, give you everlasting life, uh, make you his child. He's called you. You've been called of God the day you got saved. If you've not been saved, if you'll listen tonight, there's a God in heaven calling you tonight because he loves you. His son Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He wants you to be saved. But God's called us to be saved. God's called us to live the Christian life. Now, sir, you're a child of God. You just raised your head and said so. Then you need to get walking. You need to get walking. You, you got to walk worthy. God has a plan for your life. Find that plan. Get in the Bible. We talked about it all day Sunday. Get the sermons if you missed them. We recorded them. I think they're going to be on your, your webpage, aren't they? Go back and listen to them. I tried to tell you how to walk worthy as a Christian. You got to walk in humility and gentleness and and honesty, and without anger, and dealing with your issues. And none of us, none of us are expecting it to be a miracle. Like, I mean, it can be. God can do a miracle. But most of the time, here's what God does. You've got an issue in your life where you need to grow and make changes and do better. You know what God's plan is? You start taking steps, and God will work on you, and, and, and he'll, he'll, you know, sand off some rough edges and smooth you out in some areas, and you keep growing. He'll work on you some more. Christianity is a process. Sanctification is a process. You get saved the moment you put your faith in Christ. Here's how one evangelist friend of mine said it. It only takes a moment to become a Christian. But it takes an entire lifetime to build one. That's the truth. You get saved the moment you trust Christ. No matter what baggage is in your life, no matter what background is in your life, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, brother, you're a child of God on your way to heaven and your sins are forgiven. It's a done deal in the record books of heaven. That shouting ground. But it takes a whole lifetime to be the Christian God wants you to be. And so you got to walk worthy. Now, God has called us to be saved. He's called us to live the Christian life. And here's been my point this whole week. Every message. I've hammered it. I know you're tired of it. God's called you to have a happy Christian home. That's what he's called you to do. Daddy, it's what he wants. Mom, it's what he wants. You that have a broken home, it's what he wants. You got a blended family. That's what he wants. Your kid's a disappointment in your life. You got so much work to do. You wonder if you can get it done. Well, that's what God wants. A happy Christian home. And uh, here's the last two nights. We've been talking that a happy Christian home is a place of well-trained children. Now let's uh, poll the crowd, okay? How many of you are married? Let me see your head if you have a husband or a wife. Raise your hand good and high. All right. How many of you that are married... Or I guess uh, maybe not married. How many of you have children? Let's ask that. Let me see your head if you have children. Raise your good and high if you have children. Who has the most in the building tonight? Anybody here got nine or more? Anybody got eight or more? Any, we, got, we got some eight back there. Eight? You got eight? Praise God, that's great. Anybody got seven? How many got seven? Anybody got seven kids? Anybody want seven? <clears throat> How many got six? Anybody got, somebody got six. All right, there's, there's a, one with six. How many got uh, five? You got five kids. Raise your hand. Good night if you got five. All right. How many have four? Let me see your hand. Oh, there's a lot of those. A lot of four. How many got three? You got three? How about two? How many got two? How many have one? When we had uh, Abby and Josh, they were born 14 months apart. And uh, boy, we got busy real fast. Two in diapers. Abby was petite. She's a tiny little thing when she was born. Josh was half grown. 
And uh, it was shocking. I mean, 14 months later, I'm holding her. You know, she's this little tiny. I mean, I just felt almost like she's just going to break. And then he was born. He was like, he was a guy, you know. And uh, just a few months after that, they're looking like twins. And, and, and we, uh, we were busy. And then along came Matthew. Did you ever say this? Did you ever say, I'm telling you right now, my kid would never do that. I mean, have you ever said that? Well, we had Matthew. Matthew was the kid of ours that did everything we said. Brother Scott, I, my kid would never do that. And Matthew did it all. And boy, he was, he was a rough one. You talk about working hard to train that kid. It was daylight to dark. I mean, sometimes 24 hours a day. And I'm, we were pulling our hair out at times. Right in the middle of all the work I'm doing, trying to get Matthew. He's my third one. Somebody said, Brother Young, how many kids you want? I said, two. <laughs> and, and boy, I was serious too. <laughs> what in the world? And uh, we didn't learn our lesson, so we had two more. And I would have taken more in a heartbeat. I love being a daddy. I'm serious. We would have been happy with 9 or 10 or 11 or 12. Wouldn't have bothered me a bit. And uh, the Lord never, never allowed that to happen. We had two that were born. They're in heaven. They were, they were born and didn't live. And we've had several miscarriages, more really than we can count. And, and even uh, an ectopic pregnancy required a massive surgery. And so the, Lord, the Lord's only given us five. Now, I love it. I love being a daddy. Don't y'all? Isn't it great to be a parent? What a privilege. What an opportunity. Goodness, I love it. How many of you are grandparents? You have grandkids. Let me see your head. Now, we're in church. Don't lie to me. How many of y'all like your grandkids better than your kids? Uh, yeah. I'm not a bit surprised. Some of them are a little hesitant there, but others like not even a thought. It's a done deal. One of the great responsibilities that we have in this room tonight, every hand that was just raised. I have a son, I have a daughter, I have grandsons and granddaughters. Every one of us have a responsibility. A happy Christian home is a place where the children are well trained. That never happens by accident. Never. If your children in the years to come are going to have character and integrity and know God and love God and serve God and live for God, uh, a great portion of that's going to be traced to what you do. Mom and dad, you're just important. You are just important. In the life of your son, the life of your daughter, and you've got to make up your mind, we're going to train our kids. We're going to work hard to have a godly home. God wants you to walk worthy of this vocation. He called you to it. He wants you to succeed. It takes a lot of work, but I want to challenge you to do it. Here's what we learned last night. Remember this? If I'm going to have a home where my kids are well-trained, it starts by my children seeing Christianity in me. Uh, you remember I taught you the day about our tongues where Paul, I'm sorry, where James said, if any man among you seem to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, bridleth not his tongue, is how the authorized version says it. If any man among you seemeth to be religion, uh, religious and bridleth not his tongue, his religion is vain. If I say, I'm a Christian, but I never go to church. I'm a Christian, but I cuss like a sailor. I'm a Christian, but I'm a jerk at home. I'm a Christian, and I lie like a dog and have no character, no integrity, and fuss with my wife and, and, and live like a, a pagan. Listen, if that's my life, then my kids will not see Christianity in me. And it'll hurt the cause of Christ. You know anybody can be spiritual down here, can't you? This is church. It's, hard. it's easy to be spiritual here, isn't it? I mean, for crying out loud, look at us. It's Friday night and we're in church. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And we smile, you know. I mean, you can have the biggest fight in the world on the way to church, but you walk in, just smile like you're the greatest person in the world. 
It's just how we are. We, we even have our own language down here, don't we? Hello, brother. You don't talk that way at Walmart. You know, you don't greet the greeter. You know, hello, God bless you, sister. You know, this is church talk. Anybody can be spiritual in here. We get dressed up, we clean up, we come, we sing together. But where it really matters, Daddy, is how you live at home. What really matters in Christianity is can your son, your grandson, see that Jesus is real in your life? Do your daughters and granddaughters see that Jesus is real in your life, ladies? Is Christianity real to you? A Christian home has children that's well-trained starts with our children seeing Christianity in us. That's what I preached about all day Sunday and Monday. That Christianity has to be real in my life. It matters. I'm telling you, it does. And last night we learned this. Our children, if I'm going to have kids that are well-trained, our children need to be strengthened by the Word of God. And remember we learned last night, it starts with me knowing it, with me learning it, with me living it, with me applying God's Word to my life. That's, that's how you grow as a Christian. It's not because you try harder and all of a sudden some miraculous thing happens. You just start living the Christian life. No, you get in God's word and you say, you know what? God's word says this and God's word says that. And this is how God's word tells me I'm to live. And I'm not to have this temper and I'm not to lie and and I'm not to be dishonest. I'm, I'm to be careful about my tongue and I'm to be sweet and loving and gentle and gracious and kind. And I say to God, God, I can't do this on my own. Will you help me? And the spirit of God comes into my life, takes the word of God, applies it to my life and I start succeeding as a Christian. Every man in this room who's a child of God needs a Bible that you're applying every day to your life. The Word of God's got to be real in your life. Is it? In your life? This is no ordinary book. How many would say amen to that? I mean, I I love love to read, but I, I don't read any book that compares to this one. This is the Word of God. It's real. It's alive. It's true. It'll change your life. It'll alter your life. It'll improve your life. It'll set you free. It'll direct your steps. This is the book you need. Every day. Every day. I mean, if you've got to choose between Sean Hannity and the Word of God, then uh, uh, forget that Sean Hannity ever exists. If you have to choose between Fox News and the Word of God, you can do without Fox News, but you can't do without the Word of God. Are you all with me on this? Uh, you, you, you could do without, you could do without Hollywood entertainment, but you cannot have a Christian home without the word of God. It's got to start in you. And then moms and dads, you got to make it a part of your home. You got to read it to your children. You got to teach it to your children. Brother Adam is in the, the booth up there tonight and uh, he's running the computer system up there. By the way, by the way, Adam, they may, they may come get you. That was a pretty good crowd of kids. And I understand if there's 45 over there, you're drinking that glowing toxic liquid, aren't you? I'm just wondering, if you disappear, I'm going to know they hit that 45 mark. Those kids were trying hard tonight. I, I hope they got it personally. I just praise God for you, okay? Uh, it's nice knowing you. It's a real, real privilege to meet you this week. But you know, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, Adam was up there last night listening to the Word of God. And, and after the service last night, he, he told me, he said, you know, that's what my mom and dad did. Every day, mom and dad, dad would bring us in the house, sit us down. We'd read the word of God as a family. That's right. Works. It works, mom and dad. It's more important than your children's athletics. It's more important than even their grades at school. You could survive with a C average and be okay in life. But you can't survive without the Word of God and be what God wants you to be. 
It's got to have it in your home. You, you are you folks that are here tonight. I'm telling you, the greatest thing you'll do is get your copy of the Word of God, open it up, and start devouring it, learning it, loving it, living it. This will help you to grow. This will change your life. The Word of God. The Word. Of, your your home, your children, your life needs to be strengthened by the Word of God. But there's a third lesson I got to teach you, and this conference is coming to an end. Not only do our children need to see Christianity in us. And not only do our children need to be strengthened by the word of God, tell me if you agree with this, our children need to be carefully trained. That's the whole point. Train them, train them, train them. Take your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, you, uh, you, you should be there in Ephesians 4. Turn over and let's look at these first four verses again. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And uh, how many of you have a Bible with you? Can I see who, you have a Bible? Uh, Read out loud with me, would you? Read some with me. Uh, Now, we're reading the King James, so maybe if you have a different translation, it'll be be difficult. But as best you can, read out loud with me, verse 1. Everybody, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of y'all believe that's good advice? That's good advice, isn't it? If you're a mom and dad, how many of you would say amen if you're a mom or dad? That's important. Then he says in verse 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now he's going to expand on the promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. The family relationship makes life worth living, makes your days valuable, makes your life valuable, makes your days longer. And then in verse 4, a powerful verse. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Four things that verse says, and here they are. Don't anger your children. Number two, nourish them through training. Number three, nourish them by teaching. Number four, do it, do it, so they will serve God. Now, let's take that apart for a moment. Don't anger your children. This book I have recommended to you so heavily, the sixth chapter is entitled, Don't Provoke Anger. And I was thinking, now how do you anger children? And I'm aware of some of it. How many of you had a mom or dad that was sometimes inconsistent? That ever happened? How many of you are a mom and dad and sometimes you're inconsistent? Are you that way? That's, That's hard on kids, isn't it, when you're inconsistent? If one day you are all of them straighten it up and men, you're tough as nails and the next day they can get by with murder. Isn't that kind of frustrating to everybody? So it's easy to anger your kids. Sometimes we anger them in our day because we're just too busy and, and, and so we don't make rules. Instead, we fuss at them. You ever fuss at your kids? Oh my word, what is wrong with you? And there's no answer to that. At least not an acceptable answer. What is wrong with you? I'm your son is the right answer, but it's not a good answer to give necessarily because you might meet Jesus. Do you know what I mean? And so that's not a good answer. I've often gotten a kick out of how easy it is for parents to harass kids, anger them. Son, why do you want to hang around that jerk? There's no answer to that. You make a rule. You don't badger, you make a rule. Son, you're not going to hang around that guy. He's bad for you. Case closed. Sweetheart, why do you want to date that guy for crying out loud? Why do you want to date him? What's wrong with you? I mean, what's the answer to that? Can you see a girl saying, oh, dad, come on. 
I know, I know, Dad, I know. He wears that T-shirt that says, kill your parents. But come on, Dad, if you just got to know him, he's got a really sweet spirit, a sweet person. No, you wouldn't buy that. There's no answer. So many parents in our generation anger their children. We fuss at them. We harass them. Uh, One of my friends uses D-R-I-P. It's a drip. It's like a steady drip. A steady drip. And, and he talks about anger. Your, parents, your, your kids is like just that steadier. It's, it's a drip of water that just, just, just drips over and over and over and over and over and over. Dr. Dr. Tice, I, I'm amazed at how many he lists. How do you anger your kids? He said, and I'll just give you a few. He says, uh, physical abuse will do it. Physical abuse, abusing a child, slapping a child, kicking on a child, punching a child. That'll provoke your kid to anger. You'll lose your child. That is not discipline. It never has been. That's anger. That's child abuse. Uh, He says uh, unreasonable demands. I have a young man that I know real well. And his dad, his dad was really harsh. He's an incredible athlete, this young man. He's incredible. Uh, he's, uh, he's a good football player. He's excellent tennis player. He was the number three. One year in high school, he was the number three in the state in wrestling in his public school. Number three in the state. Number three in the state. He was an all-star soccer player. And not one time, Not one time in 27 years has his dad ever praised him and told him he was proud of him. It was never good enough, never good enough, never good enough. And if he didn't win, dad would slam things, throw things, and kick them. That's an unreasonable demand. God didn't call my son to be top of the line in sports. He called my son to have a good spirit and a good attitude and to love Jesus and to have honesty and integrity and character and to work hard. Unreasonable demands. Improper language when you cuss in front of your kids. Unjust demands. You ever met a parent who says to a son or daughter, tell him I'm not home, tell him I'm not home, tell him I'm not home. You just ask your kid to lie. That's an unjust demand. Mocking them. My kid is so dumb. You wouldn't believe what she did this time. Mocking your child, that'll provoke them to anger. Correcting your children in front of their peers. I know a young man that uh, he would have buddies over at the house and one of the buddies would annoy dad and so in front of his buddies, dad would spank him. In front of his buddies. I I just got to tell you, that's dumb. That's provoking a kid to anger. It's provoking. It's not right. Showing preference. Remember the story of Jacob? And he had two sons, and one was mommy's favorite, and one was daddy's favorite. And here we are thousands of years later, and in the history of the Middle East, part of our problem in the Middle East can be traced back to a family years ago that had preferential treatment of two twin boys. Don't do it, moms and dads. Provokes to anger. Uh, He even says denying the necessities of life. 
Dad, Mom, you and I are to provide clothing and food. We're to raise our children and meet the basic necessities of their life. And when a parent fails to do it, it provokes anger. Not allowing them. He says proper recreation. Your kids need to be kids. Let them go bike riding and swimming and hiking. And, and let them exercise and play. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't keep them from proper exercise and recreation and proper education. Uh, spending their inheritance, he said. I thought, wow, that's a tough one right there. Not teaching obedience to them early in life. I'll talk about that in a moment. Neglecting them or being a dictator, nagging, harsh criticism, harsh judgment. Man, I just, it's just a little quick little stuff. Losing your temper, a refusal to explain. When our kids were younger, we taught them to obey. And you obey primarily for this reason, because I said so. I could explain to you, but you won't understand. You're four years old, and I told you not to run in the street. No matter, no amount of explanation is going to make sense to that four-year-old. But now I got a kid that's 14. My kids are always welcome as they get older with a right spirit to inquire. Daddy, why is it that we don't watch TV like everybody else? Well, sit down, son. Let's have a talk. I try to make it special. We'll go out and get a cup of coffee. Let's go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or something, and we'll answer that question. Refusing to explain. Are you doing anything as a mom or dad that's angering your children? Are you inconsistent, tough as nails one day because you've had it, and too busy the next day to care? Some days you'll punish the least little thing, and the next day you let a big thing go. Here's the first thing the Bible tells you, mom and dad. Don't anger your children. You ought to get that and read that chapter, if nothing else. Don't anger your children. Nourish them through training and nourish them by teaching. Let's, let's, let's go a little farther with that one. To nourish is to provide conditions optimal for growth. As a mom and dad, your job is to do everything you can to get your children ready to grow, ready to advance. Uh, so they can learn, so they can grow, so they can mature. You want your son, who is unwise, who doesn't know anything, who struggles in all kinds of areas, over a process of years to learn to control himself and to do what's right. And you've got to provide conditions optimal for that. In our family, why did we unplug a television? I'm not saying you should. I'm only illustrating. What you do with your television is between you and God. I- I'm just illustrating why we did it. Why did we unplug it? Why is it that we never sit down and just turn a TV on and waste two or three hours? Here's why. Because we felt like the television running in my family all the time was absolutely ruining an optimal condition for their growth. It wasn't helping. There's a steady diet of rock music playing in the background. Rock music on all the commercials. There's all this rock music in my house. And I don't even listen to rock music. I'm trying to be careful about music. But it's always on my TV. My kids are running all kinds of rock music. And and they're singing rock. Well, I don't want that. It wasn't helping them to grow. So we unplugged it. And and, and then we'd sit down. We'd start watching a movie. And the next thing you know, they're joking about homosexuality. And I counsel young men and young ladies that are struggling there's a young man I'm working with right now who's battling. He's in a church. He's a member of a church. And his besetting sin, if you will, is same-sex attraction. It's a real battle in his life. And I'm not slapping him around. I'm trying to help that young man find out that there's a God in heaven that can deliver you from that and help you to be on the right path and think properly with a pure heart. 
So I don't want my kids laughing about it. You know, moms and dads, one of the reasons we are so, forgive me now, pro-gay in our generation is because you back up 25 years, you know what all of us did? We watched television and chuckled about it. We did. Hollywood, how many times have you ever seen a speaker do this? Back up now. You, you folks be gentle with me tonight, okay? Did you ever see a speaker do this or a TV program? He's so nice. And what did we do? We chuckled. <laughs> Don't you hit me with your purse. I heard one preacher say when I was a kid, Don't you hit me with your purse. He was ripping on a young man who was a little bit soft. We laughed about it. We chuckled. And here we are 25 years later living it. So I realize that my TV is not giving us conditions optimal for growth, so I unplugged it. Now, we watch stuff. We're not totally weird. We do. We like VidAngel and, and Pure Flicks. We're, we're, we, we signed up for those, so there's things we can watch that are clean. We're okay with that. We'll watch Andy Griffith. We also sometimes watch I Love Lucy. But even then, we're teaching. Andy Griffith has a drunk. You ever seen that drunk? No drunk that I know locks himself in a prison cell after he gets stoned. Andy Griffith's funny, but it's not real life. So you've got to teach, 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 teach. So you've got to be careful. To nourish is to provide conditions optimal for growth. Now, moms and dads, be honest tonight. In the house where you live... The spirit of your house, is there a love and peace and joy and gentleness? And, and is, it, is it at your house a optimal condition for the growth of your children so they will mature? That's what it means to nourish. Here's the second thing it means to nourish. To nourish is to correct anything that is harmful. Now, one of my jobs as a parent is to take the strengths that my children have and strengthen them and take the weaknesses that they have and correct them. That's what nourishment is all about. I nourish my children. Here's some verses about nourishing our children in, in this way. How many of you know Proverbs 29, verse 15? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself, a child that's not trained... A child that's left to himself will bring shame to his mother. That's Proverbs 29, 15. Notice the two things he said it takes for me to train my children. A rod and reproof. It takes correction, punishment when it's needed, and it takes a lot of talking, reproof. Sometimes here's how you correct a child. You say, come here, son. Didn't I tell you not to do that? Yes, sir. Do it again. Do you understand? The rule we have is you do not leave the table until you say to mom, may I be excused. When you're given permission, then you say, thank you, mom, for the meal, and I love you. Do you understand? Yes, sir? Say, I just correct it. That's reproof. You got, a, you got a child that's yelling at his sister. He's being a jerk to his sister. Son, come here. We don't treat our sibling that way. That's not right. If some of you get married and you treat your wife the way you're treating your sister, your marriage will end in divorce. So I want you to correct that. I don't want to ever hear you speak to your sister that way again. That's reproof. You see what I'm saying? 
And moms and dads, reproof is not this. Hey, what is wrong with you for crying out loud? That's not reproof. That's frustration. Reproof is training. Reproof is training. Son, come here. Did you just lie? Some reproofs need to go farther than just a verbal. They need to go to a correction. I think what the Bible is trying to say right here is do, do everything you can to correct your child from the weaknesses of their life. Every child you know has a weakness called lying. They will lie to you. They will lie to you. You've got to correct that as a mom or dad. You let your child grow up to be a liar and your child will have a hard time on the job in the years to come. They will suffer. They'll be fired. They'll wind up in prison. They'll get in trouble in all kinds of ways because they're dishonest. Mom and dad, I'm to know that and correct that. I'm to talk to them as much as I can about it. That's reproof. But there are some things that are serious enough that I have to teach my kids that that negative behavior has negative consequences. In fact, here's how we say it. All negative behavior has negative consequences. Lying is a negative behavior. And it's a big enough, I'll talk to you about it, son, I'm going to give you one more chance. You will tell the truth, and you will tell the truth the first time. But if you don't, son, I'm not mad, but I don't want you to grow up to to live that kind of life. So I'm going to have to correct you, and you're going to get a spanking. Now somebody says, wait, 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 Brother Young, you can't preach that because we live in America in the United States. We, We don't permit that. Okay, now that's interesting because in some places you're not permitted to do it. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I'd move. I'd do whatever I had to do. If, If by sending my kids to a public school meant that I could not train my kids gently and lovingly and kindly, then I'd pull them out of a public school and put them in a Christian school that supported me so I could. Or I'd homeschool them. I, I would do whatever I have to do. I would do whatever I have to do. My friend Dave Tice, who, who, who wrote that book, his wife used to say to her kids, now kids, I just want you to know that I want you to do right. And you're going to do what's right. And, and I'm going to make you do what's right. You have to do what's right. You have to. You have to. You have to. You know what they did? She would say to her kids, if you, if you don't obey me and you won't do what's right, then I will move so far out in the desert, it'll take you three years to walk out. And I will win. That was Mrs. Tice. I will win. Now, how far do you go with it? Well, I don't know. But listen, moms and dads, you're to train. The leading pediatrician in the state of Ohio was my children's pediatrician. And you know why we paid him every dime we paid him? Because he was a Christian pediatrician who understood the law and could teach you how to discipline biblically in accordance even with the law. That's why we went to him. And and a lot of times in our, our society, people don't know what spanking is. They think, oh, my word's back. That's not spanking. Smack a kid across the face is abusive. Kicking a child is abuse. I mean, flying off the handle and beating on a child is abuse. A spanking is when there is a punishment that involves a sting, a sting, but does no damage. A sting that does no damage. Uh, the, The idea of the rod here on the screen behind me is an object that's flexible enough that it doesn't damage anything. But it's also firm enough that it does have a sting to it. And it ought to be controlled. There's no anger involved in discipline or it's not discipline. The idea is, let's say it's the anger issue or or lying. You say to your kid, hey, hey, uh, son, didn't I tell you not to lie? And didn't I tell you that if you lied, you had to be punished for it? See, there's nobody surprised here. He already knows. Just, just like here's what, the, here's, here's, what your, here's what the law of your land says. Speed, 
and I pull you over if I'm a police officer, the law says I have a right if you're five miles over the speed limit, you're getting a $125 ticket. You're $10 over the speed limit, you're getting a $250 ticket. And if you are more than 15 miles over, it's 350 bucks. It's the law of the land. You already know. So you're driving along. The speed limit's 55, but you're going 90. And you get pulled over. Get mad all you want to. You deserved it. You know what I discovered? This is free. This is free. You know what I discovered? Drive the speed limit. It helps your blood pressure, helps your nerves, and you never have to worry about it. Just drive the speed limit. It's great. People love you. <laughs> it's, I, I got in trouble recently. You know, I preach it all the time. Drive the speed limit. And then I was in a hurry one day, and I, I was home in Florida. I left my house, and I had to run to Milton, and it's only about five miles. And the speed limit, not far from my house, goes from 35 to 25, and it's 25 all the way to town. And I got behind this lady doing the speed limit. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'm in a, one day I'm in a hurry, and she's like going along, 25. And the Spirit of God said, that's what you preach. <laughs> okay, 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 you're right, it's what I preach. But see, the discipline's a part of life. If moms and dads don't train children, somebody else will. I recently was at the Santa Rosa Correctional Facility, and I, I was there in a gospel service, and I was able to lead five guys to Jesus in the Santa Rosa Correctional Facility. I think Micah prayed with six, and the other way that people were getting saved. And, uh, you know, I was at the Santa Rosa Correctional Facility with people who were being corrected. You did wrong, now you're being corrected. Life always is that way. Negative behavior produces negative consequences. And one of my jobs as a dad is to take my children while they're young and teach them that negative behavior will get you in trouble every time. That's why the Bible says you use a rod. You're not mad. You're not angry. But you're showing there's a sting to sin. And it doesn't have to be much. A little, a little, little sting. Just a little sting. And, and God even designed a place to do it. Our forefathers had a, my first grade teacher was Mrs. Buxton and I went to a public school in the United States of America financed by tax dollars and the president was a Democrat. And Mrs. Buxton in my first grade public school, Wartburg Central Elementary, on three occasions lined up the entire first grade, had every one of us put our hands on our knees like this and she took a board and whopped it up our backside and then wrote a letter home to our parents and bragged about it. And that's the absolute fact. I didn't know what she was doing. She said, take this to your daddy. I did. My dad read that note, sat me down, said, son, Mrs. Buxton have to spank you today because you... Yes, sir. No son of mine's going to do that. He gave me another one. Those other two letters <clears throat> never made it home. <laughs> I, I, I may be a slow learner, but I'm faster than that, brother. That's the truth. Don't you tell my daddy, because he'd probably still settle the score, but that's the truth. See, see, everybody, everybody in those days spanked kids. You're not going to talk in class because that's against the rule. And if you do, I'll spank you. I'm not mad. 
but we're going to do what's right. It worked. Do you know, in my youth, nobody ever went to school and shot anybody else. We even carried guns in our car. That's country boy. We'd go hunting, come to school after going hunting early in the morning with a rifle in the back rack of the pickup truck. The principal would say, what kind of gun you got in there? That's a 12-gauge. Well, let me see it. Let me see it. You drive on a campus today with a gun like that in the back of your truck? You go to jail. But in those days, there was discipline. There was control. And moms and dads, the world doesn't know any better, so let's not be hard on them. But you and I are to train our kids to have self-control and self-denial. That happens with a rod and reproof. It gives your kids wisdom. And wisdom is the knowledge to know what's right so they can have the courage to do it. And here's what the Bible says. He that spares his rod hates his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him early. Be times is the King James word. It means early. The earlier you can get started training your kid to obey, the, the better you are. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But you need a rod of correction that will drive it far from him so that your child doesn't live the life of a fool. He learns obedience and character and integrity and decency and self-control and self-denial and how to love others and treat each other with respect. He learns all of that. Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Uh, you, you, you give a child a little swat on his rear end and, and it stings and he's going to cry. But here's what the Bible says. There's hope. There's hope. So when now? There comes a day. I was in this jail with, with 1,200 inmates, and, 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 and there's not a lot of hope sometimes. They got a ton of baggage to overcome now. Thank God for miracles. Can I get an amen on that? God can always take the messes of our life, and if we'll take the right steps and develop the character necessary and let the Holy Spirit of God help us, God can do a miracle and help us to overcome any junk and garbage from our past. Thank God for that. But God doesn't want your kids to have to do that. God wants your kids to be trained while they're early and and nourished and corrected. Here's a verse he gives us and our time is gone. Y'all know that verse? That's a good verse. Now y'all to learn it. I'll just read it to you. Proverbs 22, 6 says... And I'm going to turn right here. Just read it straight out of the Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Mom and dad, that's, what your, that's your goal in life. Your goal as a dad, your goal as a mom is to train a child in the way that he ought to go. It implies there's a right way, doesn't it? It implies there's a wrong way. I've got to be a master at the right way. And I've got 18 years of their life to get them going that way. That's the job of a parent. God doesn't, doesn't, God's not concerned whether or not your kids just love you. My daddy, I just love my daddy. My daddy's my buddy. My daddy's my, my mama. Oh, my mama's my best friend. God's not interested in that at all. What God wants you to do as a mom or dad is to do the hard work necessary to take your kids from where they are over 18 years of their life so that they'll be going the right way. Train up a child in the way he should go. You know, uh, it's important to understand to whom this verse is written. How many of you just raised your hand and said you had children? Let me see your hand. You have children. How many of you are still raising children? All right, all of you that are raising children, this is your verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. This verse isn't written to be debated. It's written to encourage. Don't let anybody debate this verse with you. It's the Word of God. Here's what it says. Moms and dads, you're raising children, so do all you can to train them in the way they ought to go because the way you train them will affect the way they'll be when they're older. That's all the verse is trying to say. Is that true? 
Well, sure it is. If you don't believe that, hang around Michiganders for a while. Michiganders can have some strong feelings about things like cars, automobiles. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't drive a Ford. I wouldn't drive a Ford. I wouldn't do it. I'm a Chevy. Where's Chevy? Chevy. Chevy. I'm amazing. Michiganders can feel strongly about stuff like that. Why? Did it just happen? You were born that way? No, you weren't born that way. You were trained. I am a Tennessee Vols fan. I wasn't born that way. I was trained. I was trained to love orange and white. I don't even know where I learned it, but it almost seems like we're born with that one song. Rocky Top, you'll always be. I mean, who learns the words to that? You're just born knowing those. Can I get a witness right there? That's Tennessee right there. That's our fight song. I love that. That's our fight song. Go Vols! I love it when Nayland Stadium is ringing. Now, I was trained that way. Training affects your life. How many of you love sauerkraut? Let me see your head. You love it. Sauerkraut. Oh, you love it. How many of you hate sauerkraut? Raise your hand. See, you were trained. How many of you love Brussels sprouts? You love Brussels sprouts? Raise your hand. Good night. How many of you wouldn't eat them if you were dying on a deserted island? Yeah. See, some of you weren't sure about it. Maybe. I don't know. See, you were trained. You were trained. You were trained. Have you ever... Have you ever you ever been around a family where their children, they never, ever let their children drink pop? Is that how they say it in Michigan or they say soda? It's pop. I'm from Tennessee. It's Coke. <laughs> what kind of Coke you want, Dr. Pepper? <laughs> That's how we do it down south where I grew up. But y'all live here in Michigan, so I'll talk about pop, 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 pop. All right. And so here's a kid who's never drunk pop, and now he's 14 years old, and uh, he tries one. And he's like, Ugh. It's amazing. It really is amazing. See, training matters. Training affects us. I mean, I have a friend who's a Lions fan. I mean, that takes some loyalty right there. Come on, people. And he is. He's loyal. I got it on his wall. He drives, he's got the clothes. He buys tickets. And I'm like, come on. No, lions. I mean, he's big. I mean, what in the world? He's trained. Trained. The point is, mom and dad, if you can train your kids to love losing teams. (laughs) Glad we already took the love offering. Amen. (laughs) Isn't Isn't that true, though? If I can train my kids about a football team or, or about a color or about the kind of pop they're going to drink or hating sauerkraut, or what, then I've got to train my kids about things that are really important. Things that matter, character, integrity, obedience, decency, love. It's not written to you parents whose kids aren't doing well. Some of your kids are grown. You've got a 30-year-old son and... And he's really struggling. This isn't your verse. It's for those of us who are training. And here's what it says. It says to train your kids, which means you dedicate them, you aim them. Uh, it's, like an, it's like an arrow. God's given you your kids, and your kids are like an arrow. Get that bow, put your kids in that, that, that string, pull that arrow back, and release that arrow. And it, it has this tendency to go in the direction it is aimed. Train is aim your kids the right way. Direct your kids the right way. Point your kids in the right way. That's training. And God gives you 18 years to do it. Just 18 years. That's all you got. It's 18 years or so to do it. Train your kids. And then he says, train them individually. Train up a child. Every child you have is unique. 
Might Abigail, Abigail's industrious, eh, she struggled with honesty. Josh was impeccably honest. You want to know who did it? Ask him. You'll get the answer because he just would do it. He's just straight up honest, but lazy. She's industrious, dishonest. He's honest, not very industrious. So I had to take her and teach her how to, how to be honest. She got some spankings for lying. But we strengthened her industriousness. She works lots of hours to help pay her way through college, and she gets all the hours she wants because they know that girl's worth having here. She'll get the job done. She runs a coffee shop. They love her work. Now, Josh, his weakness was it's on the lazy side. Now, he's honest. That's one of his strengths. God bless him for that one. We worked on that one, strengthened that one. You can trust him. He's trustworthy. He's honest. But he struggled with laziness. So we had to work on that. Finish the job and finish it fast. We worked on that. We had to correct that. Every one of your children have weaknesses and strengths. This is free. Moms and dads, I highly recommend you get a journal for your kids and put their name at the top of it. And on one side, write down weaknesses. And on the other side, write down strengths. And then pray over them. God, my son here, this is his weakness. Help me to help him with that. This is his strength. Help me to strengthen that. That's what I do. I keep a journal of my kids. Write it down to help me. Train up a child in the way he ought to go. Now, there's a way he or she ought to go. The word go means mouth. It's a unique Hebrew idiom. And I'm, I'm, I'm closing here in just a second. The word way means mouth, or the word go means mouth. The idea is to train their mouth, is what he's trying to say in the Hebrew language. Train their mouth, which is a weird thing to say. Train their mouth is what he's saying. But it means appetite. Has the idea of beginning. The mouth is the beginning. So from the very moment you have a child in your life, you're to be training them, training them, training them, trying to get them on the right path. It also means ending. As a daddy, this is where I want my kid to wind up. I want them to act like this when they're 19. I want, them, I want them to behave like this when they're 19. This is how I want them to treat authority. This is how I want them to treat their husband and wife someday. This is how I want them to love God. This is what I So I'm training them in their appetites that are, or the, the, the ending. So it's the beginning. Start early. It, mouth also emphasizes the ending, but in between the beginning and the ending. Watch me and I'm done. In between the beginning and the ending. You know what the Bible's trying to say to us here? It's their appetite. One of the, one of the easiest things to fail in as a parent is to give them an appetite for the wrong things. I cautioned you parents the other night about sports because if your children are big in sports, you've got to have great wisdom as a mom or dad because it's easy to allow that to become an appetite for things that are not of any value. You'd be wise about that, mom and dad. Be careful about Hollywood entertainment because you're teaching an appetite. My job as a Christian daddy is not to give my children an appetite for the things of the world and things that are passing away. Sports have their place and they're fun and they're wonderful and and, and they can be a tool to help us in many areas, but they are passing away. The average kid that plays ball this summer in a league in this area 10 years from today, we'll never play again. That's just how life is. We get older. We slow down. We get chubby. We get high blood pressure. Our knees hurt. So we spend hours giving them an appetite for something that's passing away and almost nothing 
giving them an appetite for things that last forever. If my kid learns how to keep his eye on the ball and nothing about keeping his eye on Jesus, I failed as a dad. Does that make sense? Moms and dads, it's ridiculously hard work. The pastor asked me to come and spend these six days with you and encourage you and challenge you and teach you and preach to you. And God wants you to succeed. You know why? Because the point of this passage is that if I will train my child in the way he or she ought to go, the point is that will affect the rest of their life. And I have Abby, Josh, Matt, and Jake, and that's my goal for them, that the rest of their life they'll go the right way. They're going to make some unwise choices. I know that because I have. They're not going to be perfect because their daddy's not either. But I am telling you without any hesitation, I'm determined to do everything in my power and ability to accomplish that right there. Why? Because I love those children. God does too. Do you know God's on your side about it? There's so much more I could preach in there. Goodness. I'm just highlighting things for you. We're done. Conference is coming to an end, but we certainly ought to pray. You are you folks that are here tonight. Thanks for listening to God's word. Thank you so much. Pray about your family. Pray about your needs. Pray about your heart. God loves you. He's on your side. You pray. You moms and dads that are here tonight, moms and dads. How many moms and dads again? Let me see your hand, moms and dads. God loves you and he wants to bless you and use you. If you don't know you're going to heaven, we'd love to help you with that. Being a good daddy won't get you to heaven. Being a good mom won't get you to heaven. But Jesus can forgive your sins and give you everlasting life if you'll let him. He loves you. He died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. So um, can I challenge you to do this tonight as, as Trinity Baptist Church? Would you consider tonight, I'm going to ask our brother to play, would you consider, as he plays the piano tonight, would you consider kneeling, if you can, with your spouse, maybe your son or daughter? You don't have to pray a long time. But would you ask Almighty God to give you wisdom as a mom or dad to train your children so that they will go in the right way? You that are single, you young people up here, God bless you. Someday you're going to have a family. Ask God to give you wisdom right now to learn how to train them in the years to come. Your family in years to come will be a great blessing in your life if you'll do it. You folks in the RU, maybe you need somebody to pray with you tonight about an issue of your life. Pastor and I will be here at the front. Just meet us. I'll get somebody to pray with you. If you don't know you're going to heaven, you want to know, we'll pray with you, okay? It's time to go, but let's pray before we do.